Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hedgesad and with me is Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone for one last time in 2017 because this is the last podcast of the year. Is everything right over there, Ben? Yeah, there was just a little incident. Everything is fine. Ben, ben got so excited that we're going to be starting off the new year very soon, and uh, obviously he threw a little party in his in his office. I heard that. When is my office not in a state of revelry? Um, I'm not 100% sure. I guess it's always like that. It's like 24. It's like New Orleans. It's a good place to work. Let's just put it that way. It's consistently voted among the top places to work in my house. Um, As you might know, Ben and I are a pair of uh, automotive journalists who are also podcasters, and we have a lot of really cool cars to talk to you about, Uh, mainly because at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about our biggest hits and misses of 2017. Yeah, we drove a lot of cars this year, Sammy. How many cars do you think you drove? Ooh, I stopped counting after maybe five. After maybe (laughs) five? Come on. Give me me a, a ballpark. I would say at least 30. At least thirty. So you drove. No. I'm I'm probably in the ninety to hundred range. <laughs> I would think. I'm not sure. I I really don't know how many I've actually driven. I think it's at least thirty, and probably leaning closer to fifty. Maybe if, I, if, if I maybe if we check the auto guide accounting department, they would know exactly exactly yeah. how many cars you've driven. Um, what were uh, yes, but why don't we talk about what the what cars we have this week? Um, because it's a, it's a it's a wonderful thing to do on all of our podcasts, as we usually do. Uh, this week, Ben, I have the Subaru Forester XT, which is a fun version of the Subaru Forester. What makes it fun? Basically, it's as if a Subaru WRX found uh, a Zoltar machine and wished itself big. It's got like the personality, and by that I mean the, the heart of the Subaru WRX, which is a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine. Um, and it's got the body style of everyone's favorite Subaru crossover, I think. Well, so maybe not. in, in your in your estimation, outback. sorry to talk all over you. <laughs> in your estimation, that the, the uh, Forester XT has the heart of a childlike Tom Hanks character. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we could also talk about thirteen. Uh, what is it? Thirteen going on thirty. Uh, Pre uh, Friday child. Uh, <laughs> yeah, under the hood. How else would you describe a Subaru, Subaru WRX? A uh, Lindsay Lohan, right? Yeah. Wasn't she in Thirty Going On? What am I thinking of? Parent Parent Trap? I don't remember the one where she swaps bodies with um, the girl from Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also can't remember the other one with Matthew Perry and Zac Efron. Whoa! I didn't even know that was the one. <laughs> Which movie is that? I don't know. Is that real? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's real. Um. Anyways, it's a it's a really fun car to drive surprisingly because um the Forester xd or the for the regular forester is a pretty usable uh compact crossover and it's one of my favorites to recommend to people just because of how much space it has and the standard all-wheel drive it's huge but now, inside it's really really useful absolutely and now you add uh, a little bit more energy to the car through that um this 250 horsepower engine and i quite like it uh, even more. It's it's a lot of fun. And especially, I mean, let's be honest, it's Subaru season. This is winter. All the snow is hitting us. And that is perfect for this kind of car. For those of you not familiar with where Sammy and I broadcast from, it's the cold, frozen Arctic north of Canada. Uh, he's in Toronto, which is a little less frozen, but I'm in Montreal, where last night it was minus 40 degrees outside. 
That's uh, Celsius. Inclu- yeah. Yeah, but uh, at at minus forty, both Celsius and Fahrenheit cross over. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so, so it that's is like Freaky Friday. It is like Freaky Friday. It was horrible. That's including windshield. I think without it, it was something like minus thirty one or minus thirty five. Anyway, absolutely horrible. Um, so it's funny because I own a Subaru, a legacy wagon, and it's it's currently pouring coolant out of something <laughs> in the front left of the engine. I think it's a bad hose. So I, it's, been, it's so cold, it doesn't need cooling. Well, it's been parked for two weeks now um, at a fleet location, and I'm really concerned that there's no coolant left in the engine at all. <laughs> that and that problem. it's frozen and everything is hor- everything horrible that could happen to it is going to happen to it. So anyway, i got to buy some pre-mixed coolant and dump it in before I start it this, uh, this coming Wednesday. Well, we should add that your legacy is uh, a little old and well worn. Oh yeah, I'm not just I'm not saying that to say there's something wrong with Subaru. This is a very this is a 250,000 kilometer 2004 legacy wagon, which I like very much, but has it has one job, which is to go from one fleet location to the other and then sit there for a week. So and deposit coolant on wherever. deposit coolant at the Honda's headquarters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wanted to actually I want to know if you actually will agree with me, like. I've driven a bunch of Subarus through the years, and I honestly think they all come alive between November and Mar- and April uh, or March. You know, they I... are they are way more fun when it's cold and snowing outside, and they're so much more confidence inspiring uh, in those seasons. Now, it's interesting that you say that because the XT that you're driving it comes exclusively with an automatic transmission, which kind of makes it pretty different from the WRX, right? Like it's you can get yeah. a manual or an automatic in the WRX, but if you want the similar type engine in the SUV. Bam, it's a continuously variable automatic. Yeah, which is weird because you can get a manual transmission in the non-turbocharged um, Forester, the regular 2.5 liter model. In Canada, I'm not sure if you can in the U.S. Um, I think you can get it in the U.S. as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's a bit of a bummer, but instead you got a really interesting CVT. And I say interesting because it has these two drive modes, um, S, I believe, for sport and F sharp, which looks like a hashtag, so it's like a trending, trending sport. It's not actually a hashtag. It's an italicized hashtag, which would be a um, the indication for music. Music. So yeah. it is sharp, right? In sheet, in sheet music, yeah. Um, and when you use these two modes, you get um, – you know how some CVTs allow you to switch between a bunch of preset gear ratios? Well, these ones will allow you to switch between, I think, six speeds and then eight speeds when you use the sport sharp setting so it can like variably change its um gear ratios on on the go like preset gear ratios which is a neat little uh easter egg or virtual or gear ratios virtual gear ratios that's the best way to say it I, um, I i like that that feature as well but i will say this eight ratios is a lot of ratios like it's it's hard to get you know you're you're in let's say you're in seventh gear and you want to yeah. shift down to fourth gear that's a lot of tapping that is a lot of tapping. It feels like you're you're drumming impatience on the on the back of the steering wheel. Yeah, it's it's kind of like I guess like I don't know a sequential motorcycle transmission or something. It's, <laughs> it's just it's a strange experience, uh, and it's only going to get weirder as we get more ratios. It, what's interesting though is like you said, they're virtual ratios. Like it's a continuously variable transmission, right? Mm-hmm. So any of the shifts that we're feeling, they're completely artificial, and they're there to kind of make it feel sportier. So there's no reason why it had to have eight. Um, you know what? It is interesting though, because once you like, I I believe an eighth gear in the sport sharp mode 
it's like cresting and you're cruising on the highway it's like cresting 4000 rpm so it's really like it's aggressively it's aggressively geared in this so does, mode does that make like first and second gear like granny gears you'd use for <laughs> towing a boat or something like, I, I don't know like it is very interesting like it, just the way that this car um adjusts the, these gears and but i will be blunt this car feels super uh, hyperactive and it makes me almost seem impatient on the highway when i'm when i'm trying to get going and people are are in the way and i've got all of this power and the the, the power band is is right where i need it to be um and i'm i'm super enthusiastic about this car when i'm driving it it's really interesting well like how often did you use the manual the, the virtual gears when you're driving it i've used it a couple times now um, often I will just leave it in the sport or sport sharp mode. The sport sharp mode actually shows you the virtual gears that you're in, which I think is really interesting. Well, it, it kind of has to. I mean, there's no other way to know, right? Right. But the I think the regular the regular sport mode doesn't do that. It oh, just okay. says drive or or S on the on the gear indicator, while the sport sharp mode will always show whatever gear you're closest to being into or you're in. So how um, how quick is it? I don't have zero to sixty times. I'm sorry. But it feels it feels as fast as I remember any sort of um, WRX being before it. So whoa, um, whoa, really? You think it's so? It's it's as fast as the WRX, even though it it's larger. It feels and as fast. It is definitely heavier, and I believe the WRX makes a little bit more power. This makes 250 horsepower, so I think the WRX makes something closer to 260 or 270. Yeah, I think so, so. It's gonna, it's not going to be as fast, that's for sure. But it just I don't know. It they just deliver that same feeling of 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 joy that that compact sports car uh compact sports sedan brings and i think that's really important um as people grow up and get and and have to trade in their the wrx to have something like the forester xt to graduate into that's pretty cool i think that's really neat yeah i think and i think it's also cool in the sense that if you look at the competition Mm -hmm. They're really, you go to Honda, you go to Toyota, there's no fun version of the CRV or the RAV4. Yeah, I thought that, I also was thinking the same thing. Optional engines in this, um, optional, optional engines in this class is actually kind of, it's an interesting split. The Forester comes with this nice, powerful 250 horsepower model, but the CRV's optional engine is a 1.5 turbo that I don't think makes over 200 horsepower. Yeah, I think it's like 195 or something like that. And then if you want the optional engine in a or the optional engine uh, drivetrain in a Rav4, you're getting a hybrid, so a f more fuel efficient minded uh, version of the car, which won't feel any more exciting than than this car. That's for sure. No, won't feel it, any more exciting than the regular Rav4. I think you kind of have to go to Kia. Or Hyundai or to Hyundai. get yeah they have two liter turbos which I think are 260 or 240 horsepower in that range. Um, I believe the Ford Escape has a two liter as well and the yes, Chevy Equinox as well and that feels pr plenty quick. Yeah, the Equinox um, I don't think is on the same level of sportiness as the the Forester, but no. the the Escape and the the key the Koreans. Yeah, um, they don't necessarily that two liter that two liter sport sportage or sportage is super fun. Yeah. Yeah, so it's 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 strange how well it's not strange, but it's interesting how there's these two very different looks at what people are seeking when they want to pay more for their their little crossover. And you know, Ford I think actually has what three or four versions of the Escape. Yeah, they have I'm not the naturally sure aspirated engine, then they have like the the turbo engine, and they have the big turbo engine. I thought maybe they had gotten rid of the naturally aspirated engine, so I'm not 100% sure, but I know they have a small turbo and a big turbo. The other thing I was thinking of was the was the fact that very rare it's very rare to have a non-turbocharged 
um, upgraded engine nowadays. I think the only car with a with a V six, I suppose, would be the Jeep Cherokee. Uh, Jeep Cherokee. You mean in the in the crossover segment? In this crossover, in this compact crossover segment. That's that is that a, the two point four liter four cylinder. And then the V six, the three point three liter V six. Oh yes, yes, yes. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but. Why don't we talk a little bit more about what makes the Forester great? It's got a ton of space. It's like the headroom. There's endless amounts of headroom. I feel like I could wear a top hat in this thing. When are you not wearing a top hat? <laughs> when I'm wearing a beanie to keep my my ears warm. I was wearing a, a hat the other day that had um, bunny ears on the top. Mm-hmm. And I was unable to sit in the car I was in. They kept touching that the ceiling. That is frustrating. It made me crazy. Oh, and I, I just checked. I okay in this Ford store. Ford still has the 2.5 liter naturally aspirated engine. So there's that, okay, there's thanks. the 1.5, and there's the um, the two. And I think I think they might be the only brand with three engines in their compact crossover. But getting back to top hats, yeah, so that is important. I mean, yeah, some of you might be scoffing out there, but uh, anyone who's wearing a monocle right now isn't scoffing. They're They're yeah. listening intently. Yeah, probably humming and hawing and saying, honey, we must get a Subaru Forester next. Hitch up, hitch up the wagon. We're heading into town. I will admit there's a bit of a disadvantage to the way that this car, the, the way that it's like, um, it's constructed in, in, in that all of the windows are really low um, in terms of the belt line is really low. So you feel like you're sitting really high up. You feel unnatural in this car. Like an like 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 F-250 cars... or something, right? Yeah. Like... Is, am I the only person who... Do you know what I mean? Do you get what I'm saying here? I, it makes you feel like you sit upright and above where you should be in the car, and you look out, and the, the window is not like at your shoulder level. It's lower, and the whole window is massive, and you're just like, this is really bizarre. I, I haven't been in an XT in a little while, um, so I don't remember the, the seating... The seating uh, seating position there's the word i was trying to find <laughs> yeah. off the top of my head but i do know the sensation you're describing because i have experienced it in a number of other vehicles recently and then finally the other thing that i think subaru needs to improve upon with this car is they have to deliver a better interior altogether um i've driven a, a fully loaded touring uh model of the forester and it had some really nice leather seats and this car um it doesn't it doesn't feel as special as that car did um, and as well, Subaru's building really impressive cars. The new, the new Crosstrack and Impreza have really nice interior design, um, and the way that it's um, the way that it's laid out is really is really cool. And the Forester seems is seeming a little left behind, especially in comparison to that new um, Ascent, that big Ascent, that giant Forester that they came out with in LA. So I think that they have a little bit of um, space to make their Forester feel a little bit more special than it is but in terms of driving i love the way that this thing handles man it it feels good it has a ton of power that transmission is always um ready to to send you forward with as much uh, velocity as it can oh and i should admit i should mention that this all starts with a with an msrp of under thirty thousand dollars which i think is pretty impressive that's for the xt that's for the xt thing the xt premium in the united states costs twenty nine thousand four hundred ninety five and does that come with like a giant glass sunroof? Or do you uh, have to pay more for that? I think you have to pay a little. Oh, yes, it does come actually. The panoramic power moonroof. Yes, it does so, come standard. Funny, here's, a, here's a little bit about, about what I'm all about. When I was younger. Which you're all about. Thanks. Yeah. I was super into moonroofs and sunroofs and all that stuff. I was really into them. I really liked them. I thought they were cool and exotic and whatever. And now. I hate them now. Like I don't hate sunroofs, cloud roofs. You love all those things now. I I don't hate them, but like I realize that it's 
80 pounds of weight in the worst possible place in a car. Okay. Just like in terms of messing up the center of gravity of a vehicle. And okay. so when I see them, I'm like, ah, oh, like there's nothing, you know, like I want this package with all these features, but I have to take this giant glass roof. And I know in, a, in an SUV, it's already got a bad center of gravity, so it doesn't right. really matter. But I don't know, like I've I become so conflicted about something that once filled my heart with joy. I just wanted I, to talk about that. I think it's important to bring up. Um, but honestly, this car is not as, uh, I mean, 3,600 pounds, I don't think is that heavy for a, um, a Forester. Um if you think that the the moonroof is significantly impacting the the driving dynamics of this car, um, I don't think I don't think it's a, it's compromised in that sense. I think the car is is really well set up for what it is, and I don't want all cars to feel the same. So I think the fact that Subaru has its own uh, driving dynamics, its own unique driving style, um, it has its own identity that fits in with the rest of the Subaru lineup. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's definitely but, an individualistic type of vehicle. Yeah, and like I said, it's Subaru season, man, and I can't get enough of this thing in the snow, in the cold weather. Uh, I've got a heated steering wheel. I've got heated seats all around. Um, it's plenty helpful, especially if, during the cold snap that we're in right now. Every time you say it's Subaru season, I feel like I'm about to see like one of those ads for like Toyotathon or like you know the, the <laughs> yeah. big the big year end sales. That that's my first impression. It's Subaru season, and then like a whole bunch of Subarus blast through the snow. Like oh no, no I, money I, I down. Sound like a, I sound like a sales pitch. That sucks. Well, um, you know. but I I don't know. Like it's hard to say. There's only one other. I think there's one other. Um, car company that feels really good in the in this kind of weather and uh, that's got to be audis with their quattro all-wheel drive but i think we're gonna be talking about that another time uh what do you have you mentioned you've you've dropped off your subaru uh your own subaru legacy wagon um at the honda dealership well the honda headquarters the honda which is yes yes right. which is located well off the island in montreal it's quite a it's quite a hike uh but i made it and what and did you get what did i you picked do? up the 2018 honda accord Whoa, the Honda Accord is, I have to say, I've driven a Honda Accord recently, and it is, it is, it quickly became one of my favorite cars of the year. It is so, very good. So it's brand new. It's, they did, they redid everything, uh, right around the same time that Toyota redid the Camry. Mm -hmm. So we've got two stalwarts in the midsize family sedan segment, a segment that is increasingly less important as time goes on, but one which is, it has a lot of, I think, pride and um reputation and history and all this you know there's there's a lot of invested on both toyota and honda's a part in battling for their the biggest slice of that pie so the accord it's they got in a pretty different direction direction from the camry so the camry stayed with a v6 as its, as its top engine mm -hmm. but for honda they went with a two liter turbo and that engine is similar to the one you can find in the civic type r Mm -hmm. but I didn't drive that car. I, I drove dr that car. You drove that car. Yeah. I drove the car people are going to buy, which is the 1.5T version of the car. And with, it's the C a, with the CVT? With the CVT, okay. and it's the touring trim, so it's the top level. It's, there's no difference between the touring and the the 1.5 touring and the 2.0 touring. They're almost completely identical. I love that. That's one of my favorite things about the current packaging um, offerings of, of Honda is saying that no matter what engine you get, you can get as many as much gear as you want. That's what yeah, yeah. So they don't make you pay more for it. So and and I think that you know historically most people buy the mass market engine, which will be the 1.5 for the Accord. It's a 192 horsepower and 192 pound-feet of torque, so it's not a huge amount of power. But the car is not that heavy. It's only like 3,300 mm -hmm. pounds. Front-wheel okay. drive. 
It's got that weird CVT, which is one of the only things I wasn't too enthused about with the car. Interesting. But it's uh, it's very affordable. It, it, I think the 1.5 starts at 24000 mm-hmm. and the one I drove was around 3132 uh full load. So that's that's definitely something to to write home about if you're looking for a reliable, comfortable commuter car. And it drives very nice. It's funny because I actually got into an Audi just afterwards and I was driving around and I was like, wow, this this car is a little stiffer. It's a little less nice inside. And I was kind of lamenting the fact that I had given up the Accord for a sportier but not as plush luxury car and i think that's a really unusual sensation yeah. that I, I i don't think i would have felt that in past versions of the accord you know it's i think they've really nailed the driving experience and kind of it's, it's very buttoned down it's not super quick but um you don't really notice the cvt on the highway it's around town when you when you try to get your foot in it and pass somebody like when you're merging onto uh, a, an expressway or when you're trying to beat someone at a traffic light it really gets that dustbuster kind of sound from the turbo mm-hmm. But other than that, it's in, in cruising situations, it's pretty unobtrusive. Um, I just wish it was smoother all around. Like it, it kind of detracts from the rest of the car being so good. Okay, so the 2.0T though model, that that model comes with um, a 10-speed automatic, and it um, it's fast, man. It's very fast. It feels fast. I was really impressed with it. Um, it makes 252 horsepower and 273 pound. Uh, pound feet of torque, which doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm telling you this, this transmission really keeps the car um, going. But Ben, one of the coolest things about the Accord is that you can get both the 1.5 turbo and the two liter turbo with a manual transmission. I guess that's cool, but can you get that in, I don't think you can get that in the touring. Um, no, I think you get a specific, you get a, a specific trim, trim level for it. Yeah. Yeah. So that yeah, it's it's you're not into that. that. I'm not I'm not not into that. I mean, it's it's cool in the sense that yeah, like you know, enthusiasts and clutch pedals and all that stuff. But it's not an enthusiast car, and I'm I'm sure the take rate is like less than one percent. I don't know. I don't know, man. It is so much fun. This car really surprised me with its driving dynamics, the way it feels on the road, and if you've got that touring model, it's got every feature you can think of, man. It does. it even has a few too many features. Uh, Honda's still doesn't really get how to properly present a gauge cluster you can interact with properly without yeah. having to. There's just, just so. Let's start with the infotainment system. Infotainment system is much better because it has a knob now. It's it has huge. a knob, but it also has weird buttons on the side yeah. that you don't know. They're like it's like buttons plus like labels and you're like why are these here and it's it's, it's kind of like a belt and suspenders approach and so what i did is i ended up touching the text above <laughs> yes the all the time yes. and I kept all the time and it's like a touch button and people are like no the button is a button i'm like what and so, yeah, that really threw me off i don't know why it took me so long to get used to that i did of course and i'm i'm not complaining about it but it was very funny the first impression that that those buttons have on you and then to control the gauge cluster in front of you, right, using the steering wheel buttons is not obvious. The way it works is it's it's convoluted. So yeah, I I don't think like there's you know, a learning t- curve, right? Like, there's the a learning curve. Over time, you'll get used to it, but it's it's just there's it's needlessly complicated. There's no reason why it should be like that. But I mean, getting back to the good things, it's it's, it's huge inside. Uh, the 
if you look at how I, mine had leather seats it had a fairly nice fairly nice trim like it a feels, wood trim like a wood grain trim do you have that one no i had a metal it was like a metal trim oh, it, cool. it just felt like more car than than its price it felt right. like i feel like we use the word premium a lot to describe cars i think premium really applies to the touring level accord i think that I that's think you're a, right and it's 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 not quite a luxury car but it's way nicer it's 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 you know like a nissan maxima well, like the Maxima way, is like way better than a Maxima. I think there's no reason for an Accord for an Acura model to like Acura to exist after driving the Accord. No, there it, really isn't. It's, the GLX has to be a huge step above this, and I don't think it is. It's not even close to being a step above it. I think it's a lateral move at best. Mm-hmm. To be um, honest, I love the digital dash. I was really surprised to hear you say that uh, they don't know how to give you a good gauge cluster. I really like the digital dash that this thing has. It's like half a digital dash. Um, you know, the other thing technology wise that I was disappointed with, with the Accord, and this isn't necessarily a knock against Honda, but it's a knock against everyone. It snowed a lot while I was using the car. Okay. None of the safety features worked. <laughs> um, so I couldn't use like, uh, the, the adaptive cruise control properly. I couldn't use the lane keeping system properly. It was just, uh, snow and ice and salt just shut everything down. So I have the Forester XD that comes with a uh, Subaru EyeSight. And I didn't have as many problems with the safety features. The adaptive cruise control worked um, even in, in some pretty rough um, or some, some snow. Not rough snow, but some snow. And rough that's snow because, that's because... starring Sammy Hadjassad. <laughs> that's a really interesting um, action movie about drug cartels, I think. It's a really interesting action movie about a young man who wants <laughs> to make a difference with a youth hockey team. And um, <laughs> he he adds, or or maybe it's not a hockey team. Maybe it's like a ski team because it's snow and not ice. And maybe it's right. a sequel. So Rough Ice was the first movie, and then they're like, okay, coach, you were great, but we're firing you. And he's like, ah, and he's like, what am I gonna do next? Rough rough snow. That's what you're gonna do next. And then rough patches, which is yeah, it's to these kids have never seen snow, and then you meet them and you're like, kids, you know what would really change your lives? Downhill skiing. <laughs> I love this movie. Um, but back to talking about the, the Forester XT. The reason I think it works is because it has its cam- its camera um, array is mounted really high up in the windshield. And I think I don't think it uses a lot of radar. I think it really focuses it spends a lot of its um, a lot of its uh, functionality is operated with those cameras, which I, well, I think helps. You know that any any lane keeping system uses cameras, right? It's but it's the issue becomes when the lines on the road are covered by snow, mm-hmm. the camera won't guess. The camera won't be like, okay, I see that there's an edge to the road, and then there's snow, and that that's probably where the edge of the road is. The camera needs to see the line, mm-hmm. and it has to look like a line. So there's there's limits regardless of which technology you're using. But to say that the that the Accord, I mean, the Accord doesn't fix a problem that's that's plaguing every automaker out there um which is the these sensors being incapable of working in, in rough yeah, yeah. weather i'm not I'm not, I'm not i'm not pinning it on the accord but i think people should know that they're paying for features that will only work half the year if you live anywhere where there's bad weather in the winter okay uh what do you think of the head-up display uh, i it was fine it's cool at this point it's like they're almost becoming de rigueur like i expect them to be there as long as they're not overly busy and and Honda's pretty good about letting you decide what you want to see in the head-up display. You can have it just be the speed if you want to, mm-hmm. or you can have a whole bunch of stuff on there. That's mm-hmm. good. I like that. I, don't make me look at, like, 
the the RPM and all this stuff if yeah. I don't want to look at it. Like it's oh, you, you you definitely need to know the RPM in a CVT. Yeah. With that it's... CVT, <laughs> oh man, don't even bother with the paddle shifters. I don't even remember if there were paddle shifters in the car. Uh, yeah, there are for sure. There are. I, I let me check and see because I wrote. I have my notes here about it. Uh, yeah, there's there's nothing. There's no fun t- to be done with those <laughs> paddle shifters. <laughs> Just leave them alone, man. I'm telling you, I, I bet you you will have a little bit more fun in that 2.0 T model. Um, now let's talk big picture. You've driven the new Camry. You have driven, I? Haven't you? Yeah, I have. I was just I was agreeing with you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> in an obtuse way. <laughs> Yay. Um, and now you've driven the new Accord. Yeah. Can you please agree with me and say that the Accord is better than the new Camry in almost every way? I well. So I haven't driven the super fast one like you have. Okay. Uh, I find that the you know the, the V6 and the Camry is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think the Accord has a nicer interior and a better infotainment system because Toyota is still the graphics are just they're just bad. It's it's there it's better but come on guys and if the you can interior, do interior is gorgeous in the Accord. Well, it's good. I mean the the Camry interior is busy. Yeah. I think both cars ride very well. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. There's definitely a market for each of these cars. They're both very good. I think you're starting to get down to personal preference. But uh, there's no CVT in any version of the Camry except the hybrid, right? Right. right. Yeah. So that's kind of And there's no turbocharger in either, in either model in, in any Camry. So it's all pushing, naturally enough. Pushing me into the Toyota camp a little bit. See, that's what pushes me into the Accord because I don't want to rev out an, uh, a Camry. That's no, no. I meant, a- I meant the CVT thing. Right. So that's funny. Like I prefer the engines of the of the um, I prefer the engines of the camera of the Accord more than I prefer the transmission of it of the Camry. You know All right saying? then, I do understand what you're saying, but I haven't driven the the two liter, so it's it's hard for me to say. I maybe think the two the one maybe point... the two liter is amazing. Maybe I can trust you. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I hope you can. It's such and go. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Um, does the one point five T come with the ad- adjustable suspension? No, not that no. I'm aware of. Well, that's weird. Okay. Well, that's also something that really blew my mind is that, that an Accord comes with adjustable suspension. Um, I think that's really neat. But moving beyond this, actually, do you have anything to say about the exterior design of the of the Accord? I think that's where I lose I lose interest. I think it looks pretty good from some angles, mm-hmm. like the rear. I think the rear is pretty decent. What do you think of its unibrow there? Uh, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a chunky face, isn't it? Yeah. The front end looks really messed up. <laughs> yeah. But it's not gonna, I don't think it's, a, it's bad enough to turn people off. No, no, I don't think so. I think it looks perfectly acceptable. It's not, it's just not a, it's not a crazy looker, but in, in silhouette, it looks pretty neat too. It's got a nice, nice roof line and it's a little bit bigger than the year before. It has a extra passenger room. Than it the feels huge. Model. It feels massive inside. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, perfect. Let's uh, let's get going with our end of the year stuff. Um, let's start it off right away. Let's go with the best cars that you've driven this year. Well, first, I want to specify what year is ending. It's 2017, right? Yep. Yeah. So everyone is listening. If you're listening 50 years from now, we are talking about 2017. My mistake. I forgot that we have to call that out every time. So I, you know, we talked about this before the show. It's tough to think of really great cars and really not so great cars because most cars are pretty good. And mm-hmm. most cars, this is a weird thing to say as well, but offer a fairly homogenous driving experience. Mm-hmm. 
even in the high performance world like it's almost as if car companies got together and said this is what a fast car feels like and mm-hmm. this is what a light car feels like and then everyone was like all right we got it we took our notes we're going to build a very similar car to what you're building right and i think that that speaks to the levels of technology that are being used to uh, parse the driving experience and feed it to drivers these days. Okay, yeah, I agree with you. <clears throat> so I think two of the cars that I would pick uh, in my top three uh, have their own driving experience, and that's um, the Aventador S, the Lamborghini Aventador S. You heard me talking about this a couple of times this year because I had it both in Pebble Beach and on track in, um, in Mosport. Um, it has its own driving style. There, it was not forgiving in any way or form. It was very fast. It sounded great. Um, it's uncomfortable to be in, but it was just such an experience that, um, that blew my mind. Um, and on the other hand of the spectrum, the McLaren, I drove a five-year-old McLaren and I thought it was amazing. I thought it was one of the most modern driving cars I've ever had. It never felt like a, like a hypercar except for with the weird doors and, um, an interior setup, but the driving can be very sedate and normal. But then once you put, once you put your foot into it, it just becomes nuts. It's just unbelievable and then the third car though is like the opposite of those two cars and that's the amg gtr um the mercedes amg gtr which i thought was going to be like those two cars have its own personality have its own um you know signature on the track um and it didn't it was super accommodating and easy to live with and it was it like really was a good coaching tool for a rear wheel drive um powerful sports car I really like that GTR too. I, I don't live in your world of fancy exotics and hundred thousand, five hundred thousand million dollar McLaren showing up at my doorstep because I work for Auto Guide Lifestyle. <laughs> but you do but... work with Auto Guide. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, Sammy, it feels like there's two Auto Guides, and <laughs> we both we we go we might go in the same main entrance, but your elevator goes to a taller floor. Let's. <laughs> but. All um, right. But I yeah, the GTR was a is a good car for me too. I wouldn't put it on my best list, but it's a car I do agree that it was a very enjoyable car. Um what it was funny trying to think of the vehicles that stood out for me this year, new vehicles. The uh Chevrolet Colorado ZR two was something that I what? thought a truck. A truck. I thought it was a really well executed vehicle. That's the version of the Colorado that has the Multimatic DSS D V S S DSSS. D D D D S D S D S. You you can it's you're not in the middle of a game where you just get to rearrange the letters. It's D S S V. D S S V suspension system, which is a spool valve suspension, which is pretty cool. And it's cool because here's the thing: if you have an off-road truck, you need a lot of travel, right? Mm-hmm. You need to be able to like hit a crazy bump, have the wheels travel, and have the shocks not explode. Past designs to do that using more traditional like uh, shock design. They really, really sacrifice when you're on the road because it sacrifices precision and body control. DSSSVSS DSSV with the spool valve technology allows you to have the travel that you need while preserving control in normal situations. And most people are going to be driving there. You know, you have to drive the truck to the off-road area to get there. So you don't want to feel like a maniac bouncing around everywhere and the well, in that situation. And the ZR2, wow, really, really well executed. It's 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 a totally livable truck that is bonkers in an off-road situation. Cool. And uh, I really appreciated that. I thought that was pretty neat. I was not expecting a truck to be in your top uh, top cars of, of 2017. Is there anything else 
that you want to bring? I, I also, well, we discussed it recently, uh, a few weeks ago. I really like the LC500 from Lexus. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a great, naturally aspirated grand touring car, probably the last one that will ever be built in its segment. I don't. I think even Lexus is going to move towards turbocharging in the next couple of years. They already have. They've started with their sedan, the LS500, is a turbocharged six. Well, what I mean is the next version of the LC500, I believe, is going to be an LCF. And okay. that's probably that's definitely going to be turbocharged. Yep. So it's it's kind of like a swan song and a, a big statement all at the same time, kind of saying goodbye to an era. It, it looks great too, and it's comfortable. It has its weird quirks, but um, that's personality in some ways. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's a car with a big personality, and I can really get behind that. And that's rare um, for t- for Lexus, you know. Like there's oh, always, yeah. there was a mo- there was a couple of there's more than a few Lexus models that have no personality. No, um, they're 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 off the shelf fit a slot in the lineup type of vehicles, which is fine because mm-hmm. there's a huge market for that. But it's happy to see, I'm happy to see that, you know, they're not just building RXs. <laughs> they're building, yeah. there's people at the car, company who are passionate, who are able to produce something like the the LC. That's and awesome. then the, rounding out, I guess, the list of the best new cars that I drove this year, or at least the ones that made the most of impression, I, I drove the Dodge Demon. Oh, yeah. The, the Challenger Demon. So for those of you who are familiar, it's what, 840 horsepower? Is that it, Sammy? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's a ton of power, man. It's a ton of power, <laughs> and it's a street car that will do under 10 seconds in the quarter mile. Asterisk, I may or may not have done under 10 seconds in the quarter mile <laughs> in this car for the first time in my life, breaking into the nines. And it's it has a full warranty from the factory. That in, in itself is mind-blowing to me. That and is. I was able to go that fast within an hour of getting behind the wheel figuring out how to use its trans brake and just heading down the drag strip. So that level of engineering is incredible. You take it out on the street, you put it in a less aggressive drive mode, and it feels perfectly safe. So for me, I, I that's really I think that's really hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> there are not a lot of extremely aggressive performance cars that are pussycats that do nine second quarter miles. Yeah. So I, I my hat's off to Chrysler for doing that. And rounding out my list would be the Genesis G90, which uh, I drove for the second time this year. I I actually took a road trip through Vancouver Island with it, Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of the best values on the full-size luxury car market. It's also one of the best full-size luxury cars, period, in terms of quality, uh, whether it's build quality, features, um, or just overall comfort. So that was that's a car that I, I'm I'm always going to champion because I want more people to be checking out Genesis and thinking about Genesis when instead of just BMW, Audi, Mercedes. It's a valid option I think for a lot of people in that segment. Um, I want to talk before I go into the next the next list that we've got. Um, the Demon. I want to like the Demon, but they they dragged out the reveal of it over like I don't know a month and a half of telling us that a Demon is coming. And uh, that really ruined uh, a lot of the feelings that I had for it. So you know, it's, it did down. feel like it did feel like we did a demon segment like <laughs> once a week yeah. for a really long time. But it wasn't as bad as as what they did with Ford and the Mustang mm-hmm. when the redesigned Mustang came out. Do you remember that? Not... That was like a full year and a half of build up to that Mustang, and then they put it on the roof of the Empire State Building. Yeah, for the New York Auto Show, that was. I was Mustanged out. I'm actually still Mustanged out from that. And it was like two years ago. <laughs> well, it is interesting to hear all those things. I mean, you also, am I mistaken? You drove one of the, the hot, um, did you drive the ZL1? The 
the Camaro is that L1 this year yet? No, I didn't. No, Thanks for reminding me. me. Okay, Thanks for reminding me that I didn't do that. Well, it's been a year full of really exciting cars. Um, and the ZL1 and the Demon are two of the two cars that I don't know if everyone would ever expect the Challenger and the Camaro to be some of the fastest, most capable cars out there. And look at them now. No, uh, I mean, 10 years ago, like, <laughs> would you have expected an 800 horsepower car, period, from no. any of the big three? It's it's not, it's 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 absurd. And if you go back to the year 2000, yeah. when the Mustang was making like 300 horsepower in GT form, and yeah. that was... That was the limit, and there was no Camaro. <laughs> like, the Camaro was on its last legs. I think what, what the Camaro was done in 2002? Yeah. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, 2002. So, yeah, it was a dark time for muscle, and everyone was like, well, you know, that, that's one of the reasons why I bought my CTSV in that era, mm-hmm. was I thought that this is the last hurrah for, like, big engine, rear-wheel drive, manual transmission cars. And, and then that turned out to be so wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so let's, let's contrast that list though with, um, some disappointing cars that you drove this year. Oh, well, I, you go first. What was the most disappointing car you drove this year? Uh, so it contrasts one of the things that you said about the Lexus LC. I found one of the models of the Lexus IS range to be one of the worst cars that I've ever, I had ever driven this year. It was the LC, sorry, the IS 300 all-wheel drive and this is a car that has a 3.5 liter naturally aspirated six-cylinder engine um, and all-wheel drive but they down they detune the engine so that it slots between the turbocharged four-cylinder and the normal is 350 and as a result the car just has no personality it has no competitive uh, reason to exist other than it just fills a slot every other car in its class is better than it every single one uh, that's harsh. It, that is harsh when that's when that's the case. It sucks. I, I'm really disappointed in that. I would much rather it, uh, recommend to somebody the turbocharged version of the car, which is rear-wheel drive, or go all the way for the all-wheel drive 3.5 liter, the, the full the full IS model, if you need to get one of these cars. But the BMW 3 Series is fantastic. The, the Mercedes C-Class is amazing. Uh, and the Audi A4 got much better this year as well. So what is Lexus... That's true, it did. What was Lexus doing with their mainstream sedan while they were making something as wonderful as the LC alongside it. You know, I think for me, the cars that were uh, the most disappointing were the ones that were the most hyped Mm -hmm. and that I think I had really high expectations, which is always dangerous when you're driving a vehicle it's, it's best to go in clean but like you said you know we get these, these hype wagons that you can get on and you're excited because maybe the previous version of the car was really good or maybe on paper it looks really impressive but uh i'd say the two most disappointing cars for me in 2017 were the ford raptor wow and the the alfa romeo giulia quadrifoglio okay so these are two cars that have been heavily hyped and a lot of other people many other people have told us that these are impressive vehicles. Now you've driven the the Raptor and the and the Julia. I've gotten recently some time with the Julia, and I'm still not fully convinced it's as good as everyone says, or as bad as you think it is. But I'm <laughs> I'm somewhere in between. Well, um, the thing, I mean, as as we've said earlier, I mean, we've talked about all these cars on the podcast, but mm-hmm. it, it bears repeating for the for the wrap up is. For the for the Quadrifoglio, it's just too frenetic. The car is the, the the power delivery is extremely peaky. The way you can it's all or nothing for the traction control. If you want to be able to um, access all the power without the nannies on, there's no mid range step. Like there's no sport mode necessarily. The transmission is 
it's just everything happens extremely quickly. It's very hard to keep up with the the power band of the car, mm. and it, it's a beautiful looking car, but it just it's not pleasant to drive. And I didn't have fun with it, mm-hmm. and I was extremely surprised. And for the Raptor, it's just too damn big. Yeah, I mean it's really really big. It has a lot of motor, and when you're huge with a lot of motor, things you start to run out of space very quickly. Right. Um, I took the Raptor on a road trip from Montreal down to Maine, in Portland, Maine. Yeesh. And I drove on highways. I drove on um, – there's a lot of national parks in New Hampshire in that area with uh, very nice twisty roads. Mm-hmm. But where I didn't drive it was the desert, which I think this vehicle was designed to have no roads. You just floor <laughs> the pedal, and there's lots of space where if you make a mistake, it's not a big deal. There's lots of room. In the real world, it's a big deal to drive the Raptor around. It's a hassle to park. It's a hassle to drive. You can't floor it because you're scared because it's on big knobby tires with like a suspension system that totally wasn't designed for what you're about to do and i did not enjoy it uh i don't get it at all i i feel like it's it's kind of like the car it, it, it's it's like the the vehicle you know some people they don't really care about the performance of a vehicle they just want to have the best version of that vehicle yeah so i feel like this is the best version of the f-150 in the eyes of a lot of buyers mm-hmm. and that's why it's purchased Okay, um, I want to add a few more cars. Well, at least one more car that really bummed me out, and that was the Volkswagen Tiguan. I was expecting the Tiguan to make this really strong, competitive comeback into its segment, and Volkswagen had to deliver something um, after after being negatively seen in the in the media for such a long time because of Dieselgate. And the Tiguan was not any sort of hero for the company, and that's a really big shame. I agree with you. I feel exactly the same way. I feel it was a huge missed opportunity, and I think a lot of that comes from the engine choice. I think that they did not step up to the plate and either offer options, uh, or as in more than one drivetrain, mm-hmm. or didn't take a look at the single drivetrain they were going to offer and then take a look at how heavy the vehicle was and not realize they were going to be offering a very average driving experience. Excellent. Uh, let's keep on moving. Uh, I want to go into a weird thing, a weird, a weird list here. The most recommendable car in crossover this year, the car that I, you think surprised you, will surprise everyone else, will be the best bang for the buck. Um, for a car, I'm going to go with the Accord that you just drove, the 1.5 Touring. And for crossover, I've got to say the Mazda CX-5, which is a fantastic little car that they've made even better this year. Well, you caught me by surprise here. I didn't really have anything. Well, give it a um, shot. I don't know. Ahead of time. Ooh, for crossovers, mm-hmm. I probably or, or SUVs. I'd say it's still in my mind. The Grand Cherokee is a really overlooked. Oh yeah, a really overlooked uh, SUV because there's so many different versions of it. And at the top end, I mean, forget about things like the Trackhawk and the SRT, which are mm-hmm. kind of without peer in the performance world uh, at their price point. If even if you look at something like what is it, the Overland is I think the 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 nicest version mm-hmm. of the the Grand. It's it's. It's Mercedes-Benz challenging, it's BMW challenging in terms of interior luxury and quality. Mm-hmm. And you can get a, a cool a, a cool turbo diesel engine with it still Okay. that uh, doesn't use any gas at all. So that would be my SUV pick. For cars, everyday cars. Yeah, would you go for one of the mid-size sedans or would you go into one of the compacts, which have gotten so much better this year, like the Civic? The Civic's okay, but I think the Civic is kind of an acquired taste style-wise. It's hard mm-hmm. to kind of recommend it to people i would say if i was you know everyday driving cars i really like the hyundai elantra 
I right. think that's a really good vehicle. And the Alacha Sport, not the hatchback, but the sedan, yeah, is yeah. a not not very expensive but still fun to drive version of that car. Yeah, it's a throwback to like old fun compact uh, sports cars. I think. You know, there there are a couple of, of other disappointing cars that you reminded me of um, oh, no. when you were talking about the Tiguan. I just wanted to mention you quickly the Macan four cylinder. <laughs> okay. A, a two liter turbo SUV from the same people who brought you the Tiguan, essentially. Yeah. It's do not bother with this vehicle. Right. It is the Macan is a great chassis that deserves a good engine and in four cylinder trim, it just left me cold. Okay. Um but the uh the other vehicle that was kind of a disappointment was the RF Miata. Okay. The the folding retractable hardtop. That's really bizarre. Why with, why give why give that one such a hard time? With the top up yeah it's okay with the top down i felt like i had these huge blind spots i felt like the mm. interior was like really i felt crunched inside of that i, I just didn't in a way that you don't experience in the regular no off-off. the freedom of the regular convertible was gone and it's a little heavier and it's kind of like the anti-miata it's like here's yeah. a really really great platform and we decided to add weight for no reason well and, there needs to be a power ver- power hardtop they've always they've had a power hardtop in the last generation then make it a power hardtop don't make it a power target top that is a compromise in almost every sense of the word okay cool um, I think the next question I have is the worst experiences that you had this year. And I think maybe we'll both agree on this. Uh, the Consumer Electronics Show of 2017. Yeah, what a steaming pile of garbage <laughs> CES is. Well, if hold you... up, hold up. CES is full of some of the coolest stuff, but it's not fun to be in. It's not fun to be around. It's a huge show that you that costs uh, that you you got to take a bike to or something. You've got to find a way to get around very easy, much easier. Um, if you like cars, if you're a car person, never go to CES yes. because all of the automakers at, who are at CES are there to convince you that you'll never want to drive again. Right. That's all what it's about. It's about a future that you don't want to be a part of. Also, they're, and, they're trying to convince you that your car is going to become your best friend and will send you a Facebook request soon. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. You know what? This is this is kind of funny but kind of sad because Sammy and I were there together last year, and we were messaging each other from our respective lonely Vegas hotel rooms, and I was like having a crisis of confidence in myself where I'm like, is this really where the industry is going? Because I do not feel like a part of this at all, and like this is not where I should be, and. I am not invested in this version of the future. And Sammy was like talking me down and being like, yo, Ben, it's not that bad. Like, it's just CES. It's going to be over in a few days. And I, I was, it was really real for me in that moment. Yeah. You heard it, you heard it here, folks. Ben is a part of the downer media. I am the downer media. And they got me. They were like, hey, they identified me and they're like, check out what we're going to do to this guy. <laughs> His car is going to talk to his house and he's going to lose his mind. <laughs> uh, yeah. Man. It, I'm, you know, I'm not going to see yes again this year as far as I know. Uh, me neither. And I'm so happy about it. And I hope I never have to go again. I don't know about and that. I, I hope that the next time I do go, it's a more fully formed auto show with with cars worth showing instead of just wild pie in the pie in the uh what is the pie in the sky idea pie in the sky i will say this that the people that i I was i was attending there with chrysler last year and their version of the future was one of the more realistic ones and they were very good hosts 
uh, it was just wandering the show and like reporting on everyone else that <laughs> you know it's it, it just piles on you yeah. and it it just it gets to the point where you realize that none of this is going to happen the way people are projecting it to happen and yet there's so much investment in it and there's so much cheerleading about it and there's no real objectivity about what any of it means for the average person who's actually buying real cars that exist in a showroom yeah uh, it's I, I, the 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 thing that got me the most was they had the BMW concept that um, that was a bookshelf that had a yeah bookshelf so there was in it. it was a it was a cockpit of a vehicle with no wheels or anything and there was a bookshelf in the back seat like a wooden bookshelf with books on it and I was like what am I looking at like I don't even understand what's happening anymore <laughs> yeah that really got to me yeah anyway moving away from the depressing reality the depressing depressing crushing reality of CES. I would say uh, I want to talk about the biggest surprise for me. Sure. Driving this year was a actually it was an SUV mm-hmm. and it was an SUV I I had never thought about. I had never been like, oh, I'm curious about this because a it's an Acura and b it's a it's a segment where I'm not personally what invested. What is this car? What, Acura. It what? is the M the Acura MDX Sport Hybrid. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, well, so, so I'll 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 back that up by saying though. The MDX always was a really good car that I think a lot of people didn't pay much attention to. So I can understand where you're coming from with the sport hybrid model. It is it is a strong seller for them, though. Mm-hmm. I will say that. Uh, but usually when you hear the word sport and hybrid together, unless it's like an exotic, mm-hmm. no. You're there's, usually there's... <laughs> rolling your eyes or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like those, you know, the 80s, they made all those really terrible hatchbacks and they wrote sport on them everywhere. Yeah. Like you could get like the Hyundai Scoop or whatever or like the. <laughs> I don't need that. Real is it? There's no That's such thing real. as a Hyundai scoop. You made. That I think up. it was a Hyundai. There was a scoop of some kind. It was like a. It was like a. The S was written in like a fun paintbrush way, and then Coop was written like in a regular business-like font. Um, you know, and they 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 just put sport on it, and sport didn't mean anything except it, it meant like a sticker package or or crushing again, crushing disappointment <laughs> when you got it home. But uh, it's usually like that for hybrids too, except for the MDX's version of this these hybrid drivetrain. It's sort of tangentially related to what they have in the NSX, mm-hmm. which means that power delivery is super transparent. It's really quick, it's comfortable, and it's really well priced, mm-hmm. and it's super usable. There's a ton of room inside. It's not overly huge. It was pleasant to drive, and I was like, you know, hats off to Acura for making an interesting vehicle. And and who knew it would be a hybrid? So I also have a crossover to say with my biggest um, my biggest surprise this year, and I'm I'm kind of embarrassed to say it, but it was the CX3, the Mazda CX3. Uh, I had a very I had the most basic model of this car with a manual transmission and front wheel drive, and I absolutely loved every bit of it. It was one of the most oh, fun I... cars I've ever driven. I totally have to dis- – the CX-3 for me is a vehicle that – it just – the interior space disqualifies it from so many qual- conversations. There's just, just no room once you're out of the first two seats. I will agree with you. The The rear seats are not that usable, and the trunk space is a bit compromised as well. But just I was not expecting to have that much charm, um, on-the-road charm and excitement. And it's a good-looking car. Um, for a car that costs $20,000. I didn't expect that at all. Uh, now, are there any vehicles that you were conflicted about this year? Oh, my God. Not so sure many. sure how you feel? <laughs> I, I, I must sound like the worst auto journalist to have this huge list of cars. I'm like, I don't know how I feel about these ones. You mentioned the Julia, so I'll say that one. Um, I don't know what to say. It drove really – it drove really um, – it, it just – it drove me mad. It was such a really exciting car to be in. But then – Every moment you're not really driving it, when you're stuck in traffic and you realize 
like, what am I doing in this car? The infotainment system sucks. Everything is going, like, is breaking down on you. Like, for some reason, the alarm's going off. It's like the the paddle shifters, you have to, you have to, get past these paddle shifters in order to use the, the windshield wipers or, or, um, uh, turn signals. The rear seat space is, is there's none there. There's really a lot of hard plastic inside the car. It doesn't feel like a, a 70 or $80,000 car. Um, but then when you put your foot down, you're, you're like, wow, it sounds great. It's very fast. Um, and then you look at the wheel, the tires, the tires are like, they're amazing. They're like almost slicks. They're so good. Um, so every time I was in this car, I kept saying like, who is this car for? I don't understand who will like, it's true. It's for a true enthusiast, but what enthusiast wants to really spend $80,000 on this car and say, and be happy with it when it doesn't do, it doesn't have the pedigree as some of the other cars in its class. And I say that like, actually practically there's like, I don't know where, like, where do you get an Alfa Romeo serviced and like, where do you, where, like, what happens with that, right? And how much will it cost to do that? At least we know there's dealerships for BMWs and Mercedes and Audis and Porsches if you get the alternatives to this car. Um, other cars that really messed up with me, with my mind, the Civic Type R um, was a car that was heavily hyped. I drove it. I enjoyed it. It was surprisingly fast. Um, but it's it's really ugly. It's really, really, really it ugly. It is super ugly. It also broke down on us a couple of times. So, yeah, so I don't know where to I don't know how to how to really rank this car because it was some parts of it were really impressive and other parts were really not impressive. For me, it was the the big Volvos, the uh, the V90 and the S90. Oh, yeah. The V90 is great. I don't know about that. It's I don't know who it's for, but it's a great car. Well, yeah. So that's that's part of the problem. It's again, you, you're talking about Alpha. Like, who's the customer? Volvo's really going after the the upscale market these days we talked about the xc40 and how how you know that makes a lot of sense for them to do that but then you look at full size first of all full size wagon mm-hmm. that's a that's a, a niche within a niche within a niche mm-hmm. and then full size luxury sedans are this the market is drying up as everyone moves to suvs so the cars are undeniably attractively styled mm-hmm. the interiors are pretty nice and the pricing is bad well, that's where I'm going to have to disagree with you because the, so the the versions I drove had the supercharged and turbocharged ver, the four cylinder engine. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 316 horsepower. Yep. That's not enough, and it's really not enough when you compare when when you start getting beside a vehicle like the G90 that I was mentioning earlier with the twin turbo V6, mm-hmm. which is a crushing, crushing sledgehammer of a, of an engine, mm-hmm. and uh, you also have I think better build quality in the Genesis, mm-hmm. so. I'm I'm looking at the those the S90 and the V90 and I'm like who buys this over an A8 who buys this yeah. over an E class you know it's no it's you're hard. you're def you're right there for sure well at least Genesis went out of their way to be quicker and cheaper and have the longer warranty and the better customer experience Volvo didn't really do that okay they made a a, a perfectly adequate car that is hard to find fault with until you look at who it's competing against. Right, perfect. That's a really good reason to to be conflicted with a car. I don't have any issue with that. Um, and that's really interesting because their crossovers are really good, and I I'm in love with that XC that XC40 that you drove um, recently. I can't wait to drive it myself because it's an adorable car. It seems to fit. It seems to tick a lot of boxes. And pricing price wise, I think it'll be really competitive as well. 
So is there anything else from 2017 that you feel me need to talk about? Um, I, want, I want to do a quick shout out to Audi Smart Hobos, um, the undoubtedly the most amusing <laughs> press release I've read in the last 12 months. Anyone who wants to go back in time and check out our, our podcast about Smart Hobos because you will I'm, not be disappointed. I'm gonna I'm gonna also give another shout out to Audi for their blindfolded blindfolded touching of the A8. That was, oh yeah that yeah was the gold. touch. That was good. <laughs> Basically, Audi provides us with a lot of great material. Uh, they have an extremely creative department of, I guess, PR. Um, it's I think they go beyond PR, though. I think Audi is pushing the envelope when it comes to global communications. So thank you. Yeah, wonderful. It makes our job way easier when we have no idea what you're trying to tell us and what it relates to the car, and we get to sit here and analyze it on the podcast. Um, if you want to go back and listen to all of our old podcasts, you can do that by going to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Um, you can see all of our old stuff, as well as links to some of the articles um, of the cars that we've been talking about, which I think is really important, as well as photographs, if you want some more context as to what we're talking about and what we're um, trying to tell you on the podcast. Um, and you can yeah. also, did you, did you say Facebook page? I totally, no, I didn't out. say, I'm sorry for, <laughs> I'm sorry for sending you into a hypnosis with my voice. <laughs> so we, we also have a Facebook page, uh, unnamed automotive podcast on Facebook. And, uh, we always update with the links to the latest podcast and we sometimes update with photos, but we're getting much better about that. So if you want to see where we are in the world and what we're driving, that is the place to go and check that out. If you want to get in touch with us directly though, and ask us questions, which we'll happily answer on the air, unless they're of extremely personal variety, in which case we'll probably answer off the air. You can get Sammy on Twitter. It's at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Mm -hmm. And you can catch me at hunting Benjamin. That's all we have for this week's show. So thank you for listening. It's, it's actually not, it's actually not all we have, Sammy. What? Because there's there's one more surprise, oh, no. and this is a gift. This is a gift for all of our listeners who've stuck with us over the last. This is episode fifty one, mm -hmm. and um, it's also a gift for you, Sammy, because I have created a supercut of every time you said hello and welcome to the <laughs> unnamed automotive podcast. And I'm going to play that now, and that is going to be the outro. That is, we are ending 2017 with Sammy Hachasad saying hello 50 times. Oh my goodness, okay. Uh, thank you. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello and welcome. 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 Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Hello. 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 Hello and welcome. 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 Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. Hello, hello again. Hello, 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 and welcome. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. Hello, 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 and welcome. Hello, 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 and welcome. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the unnamed automotive podcast. Hello, hello, and hello, and welcome to the unnamed automotive podcast live at the LA Auto Show. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome to the unnamed automotive podcast. All right, welcome to unnamed beta podcast, episode zero point eight. It's our beta.